Hot Tub Beers is meant for entertainment purposes with a side of beer education. Each episode may contain offensive and off-color humor. Our intended audience is people 21 years of older who love beer and laughter. Pop the top on the old jacuzzi A rain or sunshine, we're not too choosy Daytime, nighttime, we're always home When you drop on by on your mobile phone To hot tub beers Amber's ales and lagers Hot tub beers Slip on into the water Take one down, pass it around We're tasting micro-brews from Texas towns Stouts and pilsners, boxing weeds We're having hot tub beers Just my friends and me Welcome back to Hot Tub Beers, guys. So, second week in a row, we are out of the hot tub. Okay, so nice. kind of special today. We're we're coming from to you from the uh, newest speakeasy in the North Houston area, the Blind Finch, the swankiest speakeasy. Oh, the swankiest speakeasy. So I'm here with Mr. Jake Thorne. Hello. As well as our special guest, Mr. Steve Von Grimm. Welcome, Steve. Gentlemen, thank you very much. My brain is full of so much nonsense. You know, in 1947, Truman started the Majestic 12 and sold us out to the short gray aliens for the internet. Son <laughs> of a bitch, I knew it. I don't even fully understand what, what was just said. I did. I'm with you. It's I'm with my you. Head and I feel a lot better. Yes. So we, we, Truman sold... It's not. It's aliens I, for the internet. I looked up a bunch of nonsense in preparation for for this episode. Majestic Twelve, aliens. Roswell happened in 1947. Did it? Did it? So, <laughs> and Truman um, got a group together of 15 individuals and had this parlay. With the short gray aliens, the and short it, gray ones, not the tall green ones. There the short are gray ones. correct. We're we're already oh. dabbling on going off the deep end as far as what is legitimate and what is. Yeah, I want to retain the legitimacy of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so he brokered and the, from Truman into Eisenhower brokered a deal with the aliens, a exchange of technology for human experimentation, and this is how we got the internet. Nice. Which brings us to yes. why we're here today, right? Thank uh, you, Truman. This is this is why we do this now. Yeah, we're it's it's eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning in a speakeasy, <laughs> and we're here to record a uh, premature release that we're going to release tomorrow on Monday Tim's to celebrate really President's Day. Premature release. That's Tim's mo. It was my premature. idea. It was my idea. Well, hey, real quick, President's. Did, yeah. Did you say where the speakeasy is? I didn't. I just said North Houston area. There is no real location. Yeah, there is. There is no location. So if you're looking for it, you can't find it. Yeah, (laughs) look for the building with blacked out windows. (laughs) <laughs> with blacked out windows and the, the sign out front that says definitely not doing anything illegal the, oh good call <laughs> take, the, the sign on the front door is take all inquiries next door oh yeah you're right oh it does yeah take them next door so if you're looking for that sign it probably blew away by the time you show up well President's Day 
So I want to talk about that. I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad that we're bringing this here. And I'm glad that we got you, Steve, with your vast uh, presidential knowledge and how we got sold out to the aliens for the Internet. But originally, right, President's Day, I'm looking this up, doing my vast Google knowledge, right, um, to celebrate George Washington's birthday. Later on, we folded in Lincoln and celebrated Lincoln. But in modern day for President's Day, this is we're just kind of celebrating presidents and our history of the leaders of this country. Um, First national holiday to honor a actual person. Uh, I think the second one was MLK. I think that was ratified as a national holiday early 80s, I believe. Um, and so what we're going to try, the beer that we're going to pair with this today is going to be a porter. Okay. And the reason we chose porter is beer history. Jake, tell us why we chose porter. Because uh, it was the most inefficiently brewed uh, beer ever. With a junk beer, all sorts. Well, okay, you know what? Here we go. Here we go. Let's get on the porter train. Well, just okay, just to, to break it down, right? So the reason it was called a porter was it was for the working class porter, right? Which was the whole thing. Uh, so originally, uh, they were roasting their malts like pretty heavily. So when you brewed the beer, there was a lot of sugar that was that was burned out, and so you would end up with these like three percent beers, which was probably good because they were drinking a lot of times. But it's got a lot of caloric intake it's got a lot of roasty a lot of times it would be a little bit funky and oh, sourish yeah. because uh-huh. you know let's be real they the didn't have it brewing processes back then disgusting. everything is somewhat sour disgusting uh <laughs> not a lot of hops so you're using other bittering agents like wormwood or pine tar dandelions <laughs> sure or we can get into the nordic oh, priestess here we uh, go herbs where you know so so to but, celebrate this completely shitty style we're, we're going to take Texas Leaguer, uh, Richmond, Texas, right? This is their hot stove. Now, this is going to be a little bit different take on the porter than what Jake is describing. Oh, without a doubt, opposite. Yes. So, like you were saying, right, porter is low gravity. It's meant to be pounded. It's a working man's beer. And it shipped well. And it shipped well, okay? This is not low gravity. No. This is also aged in a bourbon barrel. Oh, I did. Okay, I, I didn't realize I picked up the uh, the bourbon barrel version. I didn't either, but I'm glad you it's eleven percent. It yeah. is eleven percent. Did you guys ever um, hear of Yards Brewing in uh, Philadelphia? Have not. So I don't know if they still do it, but back when I lived on the East Coast in Jersey, you'd get Yards from across the river, and they had a presidential beer box set because brewing was a hobby for. Many of the founding fathers, they had uh, Washington's Porter. I believe they had uh, something from Jefferson. They had a Ben Franklin ale. Um, and obviously not historically accurate. I was about to say, because that probably trash if it was historically accurate. Sure. <laughs> things, things have, like we just said, things have improved a bit since that time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had trouble finding the quote the other day. Mind you, I didn't spend too, too long on it. But Jefferson said something to the effect of, yeah, our beer sucks, but it's American. These malts are from us, right? And that was a mm. big thing as they were importing malts for a long time uh, because, you know, I guess they thought England had it down, which they didn't. Uh, but Jefferson just came out and said, yeah, this is our freaking beer, man. Like, that's, enjoy that's it. Cool. I mean, it sucks, but enjoy it, you know? <laughs> it's like it's like your first homebrew that you taste. It may oh. not be great to everybody, yep. but it's yours. You made it. You know, and shit. you made it, and that's like, that's that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Steve, you are not a random guest today. And I was I was picked. You were picked. You were hand, hand selected. selected. Yeah, absolutely. Because of your your hobby of researching weird presidential facts, right? <laughs> and so I kind of want to 
I want to get down into this your little path on why you you went down this road and 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 what how how the journey's been. Um, mostly every president is a weirdo in some way. <laughs> so you relate. And there, yeah, it, it, there was a commonality on, on some levels, but it started where I saw a random fact that there's a, there was a London company, uh, still around Caswell Massey that, um, made a formula, uh, number six, that several founding U.S. presidents, um, liked and they used extensively throughout their terms in office and Caswell Massey also had other presidents that used their products uh, Eisenhower used uh, their almond soaps Jockey Club Gold was JFK's particular cologne um, I'm forgetting one other maybe it was no because uh, Teddy Roosevelt did use Mickelson's Bay Rum but 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 Roosevelt used rum as a cologne. Well, I don't know if it was like actual rum, but like yeah, Bay Rum Cologne. Okay, or it could have been just rum. Or was it like, are yeah. you drunk? No, it's my cologne. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no, just a co- I, I tried to guzzle more of it, and it splashed under my neck. <laughs> and that, so I, my background before beers psychology and i gravitated towards something called object relations theory and really really boiled down it looked into why we like the things that we like and the associations between that um as i said beforehand uh, tim if if you someone likes a and b maybe they like also like c so it's also deductive reasoning and getting these colognes I was trying to, like, what did this mean to the president and why did the president use it? Right. That got into more presidential research and really a love of American history and and seeing the selection of some presidents as being a pulse point of where the country was at that time. Because to look at the presidents is to look at where we are at that time as a nation. No, I like that. I like that. It's very well said. That's, that's kind of a, it's a neat concept, right? Cause, uh, you know, it, and we've definitely seen this like almost fluctuate. It feels like we're on a roller coaster as of late. Yeah. As to where the country is going and, and the president's almost being polar opposites as they're coming back to back to each other. Um, it's like we're on a we're riding this frequency. It just keeps going higher and higher. I'm hoping it levels out sometime soon. One day, but one day, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. So, this beer. Let's go back to this porter for just a little bit. On the nose, I'm getting a little bit of bourbon barrel on it, but it's not an overwhelming nose. It's a very subtle nose. The flavors there are what you were talking about. It's it's roasty. It's almost a stouty type flavor. Is this a stout, Jake? Mm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just like think of where stouts came from, stout porters, right? Yeah. Um, okay. You're taking that grain bill, but with stouts, you're increasing it. The amount of roasted barley, the amount okay. of roast on your on your barley, um, the more sugars that you're going to be getting in in a stout versus. I mean, I I don't know what the base style porter is, but you have dry porters before uh, they because they are dark. Yeah. But they. What's that supposed to mean? dark in color but they're not heavy in, in, in body yeah but I mean that, he, I, I'm glad I got somebody that in, in, it has the same level of thinking with the, the, the porters it's, it's the stout is a porter right and I feel like I'm not backed up enough here because 
Tim doesn't agree with me. <laughs> I just like to needle Jake, uh, and that's Steve that's is, part of our deal. Anytime I like he he swears that Imperial Porter is not a style, and anytime I find one, I buy it specifically to drink with Jake. Yeah. I thought I was here to ramble on <laughs> like weird facts about not uh, presidents and not settle a, a, a fight between. Oh yeah, I mean, well, no, 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 yeah. I hand selected you and convinced Tim it was his idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who gets in the hot tub is stuck in between me and Jake at all times. Uh, and we, we like to make it uh, awkward and comfortable at the same time. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. so. It well, is. I think this is – I, I, I I'm going to go ahead and agree with you guys on this one. This is more of a stout type of a beer. I, it labeled as a porter but 11% because you're not getting all of that 11%. Like you're not going from 4.5% to 11% just because you aged it in a bourbon barrel. That's got to be a lot of the uh, base beer because you, you're – correct me if I'm wrong. Bourbon barrel isn't going to spike the ABV of a beer like that unless you're pouring bourbon in it, Correct. Uh, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. but I, I And one of the biggest things people almost always, always say, oh, an Imperial Porter has a lighter mouthfeel, has a lighter body. This has a stout body. I mean, it's it does creamy. Have a stout body. It's nice. I agree. This yeah. is a beautiful beer. Let's, sure. let's, let's yes. not Absolutely. disregard that. But it's, it's a stout, you know, and it's, it's like uh, Odell's 90 shillings. Oh, it's a Scottish ale. Well, years later, it's like, okay, well, it's definitely not. It's definitely an amber, and they won a lot of gold medals of the GABF for it. And like, they finally labeled it as an amber. And I feel okay. like this is where this one is. It's like, although originally the intention was a porter, you missed it. And if you were to enter this into a competition, entering it into a stout category would be, without a doubt, the move. So do you think, do you think the founding fathers, this is you, Steve, yeah. would like this version of a porter? Uh, being that they drank a lot of whiskey. I mean, the, the um, average consumption of alcohol for the average American and at that time, we're talking like the beginnings of our country, mm-hmm. was crazy. Because if you think about also, the, they're making alcohol because the quality of the water is so awful. Okay. Um, and w- Washington... Um, he was a distiller. He was a brewer. Uh, Jefferson was a, a, a brewer. It was, uh, 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 and then John Adams was a brewer. So, yeah, you're making it into a hobby, but you're also enabling yourself to drink something liquid that's not going to cause you awful, awful diarrhea. I say, can we actually talk about that a little bit more? Is, is one of those things is like, oh, beer is safe to drink. And it's like not always necessarily, right? Especially Depending when you upon, dive in. Yes. The yeah. Bacterial infection. Yeah. And there's, you get. there's bacteria that has high thresholds for, for heat resistance. But the biggest thing is, is when you brew these beers, right? You got to let I me, mean, obviously you boil it, but you right. let these yeast go to town. And if the beer is just awful nasty horrible that's a big sign that your water was filled full of bacteria that was bad so it was it was not only like also we're killing some of the bacteria at certain heat levels but really we're identifying different flavors out of that water and can be like yo this gonna mess you up for a while you know like a a litmus test for your water almost yeah i mean it literally it was there was a lot of different points for it you know i mean there really was but that was the biggest thing is like hey i'm brewing with this water if this beer is coming out awful unpalatable it's probably not good and you probably shouldn't be trying to use this water for anything else okay i like that point 
so let's 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 go in this. So if the, you're saying the founding fathers, because they drank so much alcohol, mm. you're saying they they might have enjoyed this. They drank whiskey. They drank. I'm saying that this would have been it, it's it's a clean beer compared to like there's no sour funk to it. Right. Uh, it's you you've got barrel aging. Yeah, yeah. I think this would go over very well. This would go over very well. Sure. In the city tavern in Philadelphia, compared to whatever else was on tap or cask. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So we're saying the founding fathers might have liked it. Let's let's rate it on our hot tub beer scale. So we've I, I think this is going to be the first Texas Leaguer beer we've ever had on the podcast. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we've already <laughs> so we've already given them a bad rap because we've decided they've mislabeled their can. This isn't a porter's of stout. Well, I wouldn't call it a, a bad rap, but like also we want to know is this an intentional lie or an unintentional lie? Ah. Who's who's it? The owner's Nathan. Yes. Nathan, get in the hot tub. Yeah. We want to ask this question to your face. Yeah. Because we're not cowards. Yeah. To your face, Nathan. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and rate it. I'll start. Right. So as far as the hot tub beer goes, Texas Eager, I am going to agree that this is more of a stout mouthfeel than it is a porter mouthfeel. I really enjoy. Hold on. I need to sip it. I'm a fan of bourbon barrel aged beers anyway. I think the the uh, the bourbon on this beer really does accent the beer. It doesn't overpower it. It is it is a very nice clean beer. Um, I'm gonna go three point eight seven six four two. Ooh, I, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's the, a- the 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 seven four six two six four seven two has been kind of an adjunct for me. I think I don't know why I'm falling into those numbers. Maybe it's uh. Subliminal Freudian. I don't know. You're the psychologist, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) You threw me for that one. Diagnosing. (laughs) I don't know you well enough to to offer a a formal diagnosis. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh. What do you? So, what do you think? What do you think on the beer? You rate a four point oh scale, industry standard. Now we've already pushed for this on hot tub beers, right? Zero, we're going to uh, burn down the brewery for you need this every time you get in the hot tub. Or the blind finch at 11 in the morning. I think it's a solid three. Uh, it's Ooh. not a porter. I like the barrel quality of it. I like that molasses quality of it. Ooh, good call. And it's just, uh, it's for a stout, it's very good. For a porter, I don't know, it's mislabeled. Yeah. But a very good beer. It is a very good beer. Hmm. Jake, your last one up. Okay, so uh, if if... I was to blind and not know what was written on the can. Um, we're definitely going. I'm just going to go 3.85. I mean, this is this. Okay. This I like this beer. This I beer is too. a treat. It's fantastic. Now, when you call it a porter, um, you're just wrong. Um, no offense, Nathan, <laughs> but get in get in the hot tub and defend your point on this one, please. Uh, but I mean, overall, uh, you get a nice dry body. There's enough sugar left over where it doesn't come off too dry. It doesn't come off sweet. You get kind of these chocolatey notes with a back end of a, a little bit of coffee. That's probably just the bitterness on the malt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's got flavors akin to tobacco. I wouldn't say it's tobacco flavors, but it's got that really kind of nice roundness to it. Um, I think, it doesn't taste like 11%, which is dangerous. Um, it tastes oh, like eight or nine. Very good point. Um, but I mean, it, the flavor profile of the bourbon comes through without the booziness of the bourbon. And I think that's freaking awesome. Um, hands down, I would recommend this to anybody. Uh, I just would call it their bourbon barrel aged stout. Um, but it's good. It, it is, is very good. good. 
Yeah, they, yeah. Thanks. You know what, Steve? Thanks for coming on and coming and hanging out with us today. Uh, I know this is just the beginning. We've got three more segments to go, um, and so this is going to be kind of fun. I'm excited about this Presidential Day episode. Uh, great idea. I'm going to give credit to to Jake for the idea, and we're going to cut, take a nice. break. We're going to come back with another segment. Uh, we're going to talk about the City Tavern, where their family and fathers would go and drink their beer and some of their presidential colognes. Hot tub beer fans, are you looking to buy, sell, or lease a home with or without a hot tub? Hugh Height, the Texas beer realtor, is who you need to call to help with all your real estate needs. Hugh knows hops and Hugh knows houses. That's txbeerrealtor.com or 281-939-8182. Welcome back to Hot Tub Beer. So segment number two of our uh, premature release presidential episode. The premature release we are so when i'm sitting there i'm looking and city tavern seemed to be the place where all the founding fathers went to go drink in philadelphia okay steve you said you had been in there or no uh, i was i had recently taken a recent trip to um washington dc and there was an oyster house i was mistaken uh in okay because philadelphia was one of the previous um capital locations but uh, no, I had we had um, stumbled upon a uh, location in Washington that uh, advertised that in a there was a private poker room in the back where, like uh, Grant and his friends would would hang out and oh that's drink cool. gallons upon gallons of whiskey and decide the future of the nation decide the future of the nation it's it is kind of. The future of our nation was decided over a bunch of beers. I feel like so you, you had to drink beer to get brave to uh, overthrow Mother England. Well, the political nature of the, the pub, the public house, where it was a location, it was um, sort of neutral grounds where, yeah, the beginnings of revolution were discussed. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's that's one of my favorite uh, deals is, uh, was it It's Thomas Paine's speech to the uh, Virginia Convention, or the give me liberty or give me death speech? I love that. That's pretty fucking cool. So, all right. So, when I was looking at it, right, Thomas Jefferson liked a sprue sale. Washington liked IPAs. Uh, there was all this kind of very early style beers that they were drinking in there. Um, but one of them that they mentioned was a honey ale. Now, I found this beer over at Thistle. It's from, uh, was it Garden Path Fermentation? Is that the name of it? I think so. Yes, Garden Path Fermentation in Burlington, Washington. Ah, apt. Okay. Um, it is called the Easy Going Drink, a Skag Etonian Grisette. So it's a wild yeast ale conditioned with honey, or native yeast ale conditioned with honey. So I'm, I don't, I haven't tasted it yet. What do, what do you, that, that description, it sounds early American, the description does to me. Tell me what do you think is in here? What, what do you mean? What's in here? I don't know. I like I don't. I don't cup. know. Like what is? What style are we drinking? I have absolutely no idea. It's a grisette. Okay, so okay, grisette beer history guy. Um, I don't really have much to say about the grisette. I find it to be uh, flavor profile rather uninteresting. Grisettes typically have a, a fairly kind of thin body in comparison to the acidity that it puts out okay um, it's technically in the sour category but it's going to be the lower end so you could expect a goza or berliner vice to have a little bit more aggression on it uh but 
overall, it, it's I don't know. Grisettes are okay. That's probably the best way for just me to okay. Play. Is that how you would describe early American beer? No, I'd probably describe early American beer as disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Steve? I'm actually pleasantly surprised by this beer. Pleasantly surprised by it? Sure. I haven't tasted it. The nose is it's it's like it smells like wildflowers on the nose to me. Like it's it's kind of like sweet and tangy and, and fresh. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's got a little bit of um like you know when you have honey that kind of has that full bodied like it's like a sweet skunk to it. It's like an earthy kind of like sweetness to it. I kind of get that off of that kind of okay. I hate to say dirty honey, but it definitely has a full bodied kind of it is funk. Okay, the the funk is full body. The mouthfeel of the beer not. is not not full funk. Wow. Oh, so we've got some visitors in the background. <laughs> um, so, okay, so. City Tavern, where we might have had a grisette, a wild yeast, uh, or excuse me, a native yeast beer conditioned on honey. These guys are going out on the town. So one of the interesting things uh, that Jake says that you've gotten into, Steve, is presidential colognes. Yeah, it started out. That's where the hobby started out as. Okay. So these guys going out on a night for City Tavern, what would they smell like what are these guys wearing when they're going out anything that covers up their funk Uh, (laughs) okay so that's an interesting thing like so cologne isn't necessarily just to attract or to smell good it was at this time we're covering something up yeah i mean a lot of powder right a lot of talc but a lot of just trying to cover up because think about when are these people taking baths um so it's a it's just dousing themselves with with the stuff to cover up whatever they're what they naturally smell like. Okay. And so what did you what did you run across that was interesting or stood out or so this Caswell Massey this number six, um, which a lot of the founding fathers uh, gravitated towards. It's um, heavy bergamot, it's heavy um, citrus. Uh, it's not a whole heck of a lot of spice. But that was there's unfortunately we know more about modern presidents because of the improvements in modern media. Okay. So whatever information that we have from people back then are it's it, it's archives, it's here it's it's word of mouth. It's whatever someone maybe wrote about one another. Okay. Um, and that could be mis- maligned. Uh, we're going to get into Jefferson and and uh, John Adams and Jefferson had a huge, awful fight, and Jefferson would continuously slander uh, Adams in 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 um, in the local paper. So but, things haven't changed much. Oh yeah, you just uh, yeah, <laughs> just an improvement. Like I guess more literacy. Yeah. Oh God bless literacy. It's it seems like it's falling to the wayside. Uh, mm. It's coming from the English teacher that can't spell. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't have to. I need. I have spell check. Thank you. <laughs> Autocorrect. Ah, thank you, sir. Autocorrect. <laughs> so, did you? I, I think I remember this correctly. You actually emailed back and forth with different staff members to get a. The I uh, was researching. Uh, I sat down to look up Nixon, and I couldn't find anything. And I reached out to his museum. Hashtag tricky dick. Who then get in t- got in touch with his secretary of staff, and who had been with him for twenty years? Wow, that's and, cool. And said like he couldn't remember. He remembered Nixon as being like very 
he didn't care. He largely didn't care. He cared about public appearance, but like how he appeared to the public. But behind the scenes, he was an awful person to everybody around him. So he wore uh, Old Spice. Um, Pat Nixon was more into um, perfumes, and Pat Nixon has a great collection of things if you wanted to look that up online. But yeah, Nixon wore Old Spice, and that also uh, uh, transferred over to LBJ, a person who largely did not care about how he talked to people outside of the public, like reporters <laughs> or anything, other other dignitaries. So they both wore Old Spice. Yeah. And so do you think that has a um, an impact or, or is a, a signal of what they did politically? It, it's nice to think about. Yeah, this is also a, a, a part of why I started that research is, is you know, to try and formulate some sort of theory and how like what does wearing old spice mean to the average person what would it mean to nixon who just is nixon old spice gets the job done so nixon was watergate right yeah yeah so are we saying that there's a relation between the two like hey maybe like he wore old spice because of stuff like watergate or maybe like Old Spice causes stuff did, did like we just, Watergate. Did we just, just implicate Old Spice in I, Watergate? I am, actually. As a guy who actually <laughs> uses it because uh, I'm lazy, um, I want to know, am I prone to like giant conspiracies and um, other It's stuff? great to think about. It's great to theorize. Nixon was a self-made man. His parents were lemon farmers. Nixon also... He didn't necessarily want to be president, but he wanted to be in a position above everybody else. He wanted to be in, in the position of power to flex onto others. But he did not really like the public. So, so self-made man, uh, went through the Navy, um, had to work for everything that he got. That, for me, in my mind, without a formal theory, falls in line with Old Spice. So am I wearing Old Spice because I work hard, or is Old Spice wearing me? Ooh. Why? It's more of, I, I would be interested in what you feel like you're getting out of wearing Old Spice. I don't smell like shit. Do, okay. you, do, you, do you feel more presidential? Uh, no, I've never even thought about it. I will say, though, I feel like I go into withdrawals. If I don't, like, use Old Spice in the uh-huh. morning, and yeah. I get halfway through the day and realize I don't, like, I, all I can do is smell myself. I'm like, I hate this. This is disgusting. I wonder if there's addictive properties. There's, it probably is. There's probably some weird political, like, something in there. Like, they invented this, like, psychoactive ingredient, freaking, you know. Okay, so what's the, what's, <laughs> the city, what's the city tavern version of Old Spice? Kerosene. I don't, <laughs> <ever seen. laughs> I don't Okay, so so you mentioned that a couple of times, like dousing themselves in gasoline using kerosene. <laughs> Was that would that be like something that like that they would use just to throw off? Or you just are in a in a room full of stinky people because you also stink and that your your um sensitivity to scent maybe just wears down and you don't notice. Ah, okay, okay. It's kind of an interesting concept, and I, and I like that we're talking about it because it's just kind of just presidential smells and and the way that they smelled over time and why they wanted to smell a certain way. It, it's interesting. Like if we're talking about just from this little micro window that I'm getting into it, it started to cover up something bad, and it's turned into I really don't care, or I want people to 
have this kind of experience when they're around me. Would that be fair to say? I look at it from, you're looking at it from a macro level. And Correct. I'm looking at it from a micro level. Because there's like, what is it, what did Bill Clinton get from wearing Calvin Klein Obsession? And oh, why, why did... Monica Lewinsky. That's, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> what did he get? Yeah, I think we found that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was completely unscripted, but that works out absolutely perfectly. Well, what's uh, the, Bill Clinton wore obsession. What's the connection between? Is there a connection between why the Bush family and then going into Reagan? Well, Reagan into the Bush family wore this uh, gender May. Yeah, okay, I, so what is that one? I don't. Yeah, I haven't had it yet. I oh, okay, I haven't gone into because it is unfortunately somewhat of a pricey hobby. Oh, I'm sure. Ah, uh, so so going in and it, you would actually purchase the cologne sure. that they were wearing. Yeah. Okay. So what 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 does that one run? What's it called? Gender Mag. Gen Gender May. Gender May. Gender yeah. Or gender. Gender Gender May. Are we talking like penis and vagina gender? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy Is it. Is it expensive? It I didn't look into I it. I think yet. we I think we need to get a, a get our hands on some. some? Let's see if somebody starts voting us uh, for political stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter if you'd like to keep the hot tub warm or buy presidential cologne for us. Right. We yeah. Should. As little as 99 cents a month. <laughs> oh, is that your Patreon? No, so we don't have a Patreon. I, I guess I haven't really gotten into that. So the, the platform that we're using has this listener support deal to where you can sign on and like subscribe for 99 cents a month. Now, the only benefit is is we talk about you constantly on the episodes. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got like, what, six supporters? I mean, we really talk about I think we're time. I think we're up to seven or eight. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big time. Yeah, we yeah. got James and... John. John, Jeff. Mary. Mary. Sally. Is Kat on there? No. Oh, okay. Well, she's uninvited. Yeah. But <laughs> she's, on, she's on every live consistently. True. Yeah, she's on every live consistently. But, okay, so this beer, the Wild Yeast or Native Yeast Grisette, what are our thoughts here on this beer and would it, would it have tasted good back then and does it taste good now? So did it say it was Native Yeast from, you said Washington? Washington, yes. Um, so I just wanted to at least touch upon that. I, I, assuming what they mean by native yeast is they actually cultured it from their local um, area. I'm going to say yes, you're correct. I think that's freaking We cool. said it here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, well, did you want to jump into some ratings? Or you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about this beer. Let's rate it. Okay. What do you, yeah, you, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Go for it. Uh, you said the grisette was just kind of an okay style. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad style. It's just not a super exciting style. Uh, specifically for this one, originally it was a little bit different when I got into it. Um, I'm not used to the honey being in a grisette, mm-hmm. but overall I think it does actually add something, especially the more you drink it. There's a lot of citrus um, at the finish. There's a nice acidity up front, very, very light body that kind of hits the roof of your mouth and not yes. so much the tongue. Uh, the honey rounds it all out. Uh, great carbonation. I mean, overall it's it's a pretty decent beer. Um, I'm only going to go probably 3.45 okay. just because I feel like I really want a little bit more. I don't know if it's more aggression, more body. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but I, I do want more of something in there. Okay. Steve, what do you think? I think it's a solid two. Uh, I was Deal. surprised with it, but I not. I mean, it's not something that I would drink every day. I get um, a cider. Uh, level of acidity. Okay. Green apple. Honey will elevate what you put it in. 
Um, I think, yeah, it's it's very pleasant, but I'm not going to go out. You think the green apple is a flaw, or is that just kind of an aspect of the beer? I think that's just a, a product of the fermentation. Yeah. I, I, I'm... Uh, I'm with both of you on this one, but I don't know if I'm going to rate with you. Like I, I agree with you. It's very pleasant. It's very light. It's it's very. I'm. I feel like I'm drinking a mouthful of wildflowers. I feel like I'm outside in the spring uh, with this beer. Uh, I, I to me, I, I don't know. Just maybe the description of the beer being a native yeast and conditioned in honey makes me think of founding fathers and early American beer and just kind of bringing beer back to, all right, I'm going to capture the yeast out of the air. I'm going to cultivate, you know, this grain water that I have and, and, and see what comes out. Uh, but it is very nice, very light, very clean and very refreshing. I'm going to go, I'm going to go solid 3.0, four zeros and a one. Uh, after the three, okay. I think. Yeah, I, I, I like it. Uh, is it something that I would drink every day? No, probably not. But on a, like where we're at right now, we're in, uh, we're in Texas winter, uh, which is kind of like spring everywhere else. Um, and it is, you, you go outside, it's going to be 30s, 40s in the morning. It's going to be 60s, 70s in the afternoon. This is like a nice midday sit with their feet up on the back porch and sip on this beer outside. It's an outside beer to me, without a doubt. You know what it really needs? A shot of gin. Ooh. Just drop a shot of gin straight down there. Bring out some floral, some juniper. Now I wish we had another can of it, and then we'd go for it. Well, I'll see what I can do. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Well, guys, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, We're going to come back. We're going to talk about prohibition. The presidents that played a role in enforcing and repealing and a little bit of billy beer with our favorite peanut farmer. Jimmy Carter. Are you looking for a house with a hot tub so you can be just like us? If so, you need to call Hugh Height, the Texas beer realtor. He's a craft beer fan looking to help out his fellow hopheads any way he can with their real estate needs. That's Hugh Height, txbeerrealtor.com or 281-939-8182. Welcome back. So, Jake, we are having a Champagne Velvet brand beer. Mm. The beer with the million-dollar flavor. Uh, Upland Brewing Company. Uh, in Thistle, if you come into Thistle, if you're having an Upland beer, we're primarily having a sour, correct? They're actually not sending as many sours as they used to. So oh, we, a bunch we, of communists. I think we got a PO out right now for it, but... Uh, since the pandemic, we just haven't seen as much of those spontaneous fermentation projects that are up on the high end. But I mean, they have a, a, a sour facility and then they have a production facility. Okay. And Champagne Velvet's going to be out of their production facility. They're clean style of beers. And honestly, it's one of my favorites. Okay. So it, we, we brought it on for a very specific reason, right? So we're, we're going to get into prohibition segment and presidents that played a role in the prohibition uh, and the repealing of prohibition. So kind of tell us the story on this Champagne Velvet beer and why we would be drinking this during the prohibition segment. Champagne Velvet is a true pre-prohibition beer. So originally this beer was, uh, I think, brewed in 1902. So a good, what, uh, 17 years or whatever before prohibition? I can't remember what year it started. Uh, but. I thought it was 19. 17. Past 17. In, past so, in 19. Or wait, either way. But so this, this beer was originally uh, brewed. I can't remember the original brewery, uh, but it was, it was brewed uh, in 1902. And they actually insured the, 
the beer itself, they insured the recipe for $1 million. So on the front of the can, it says the beer with a million dollar flavor because it was insured for a million dollars. It's not just a kind of shot in the dark. It was actually insured. Well, Upland uh, ended up getting their hands on that recipe and started brewing it uh, a number of years ago. And I mean, in, in true fashion, I think this is like iconic of what a pre-prohibition style uh, lager was. I mean, it, it's crisp. It's clean. Um, it's a lot of what Bud Light and Miller Light and all that stuff was kind of based off of uh, pre-war okay. pills by Live Oak. I mean, it's it's really a very clean beer, and you're you're really leaning on uh, your your very light malts with um, an easy sugar content that doesn't leave a lot of flavor afterwards. Okay, nice. And, and so, Steve, the presidential connection here, right? So. Woodrow Wilson was president during Prohibition, correct? Or when it started? Yes. So can I tell us, give us some background about Wilson and the role Wilson played and, and how we ended up a nation without alcohol for a while. Wilson, one of the most educated presidents that we had, a PhD. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. And he's PhD. I don't know. Stuff. Gym. Presidents. Yeah. <laughs> but Beer. I, I take that back. So he was he was president from... Uh, 1913 to 1921 prohibition started in 1920 and he was not in favor of he tried to veto um, the Volstead Act and Senate overrode him so he also believed though to give the people what they want and supported the enforcement of prohibition and the 18th amendment and the Volstead Act came in separate parts but both helped each other because without either one the they would have no teeth um the volstead act defined what an alcoholic beverage was and the 18th amendment uh, prohibited the manufacture or sale of anything alcoholic but during this time uh, up until prohibition went away 1935 33 this is where, like, we saw the rise of, of the American mob and, and bootlegging. And, Al Capone. And, well, and then also um, the United States government purposely poisoning whiskey. That was actually a very unique one. Yeah, they did that for whiskey and gin. Okay. It was a whole thing. And Fill it, me in. Do you want to go down that road? Uh, we can take a short trip. In, in, a, in a nutshell, um, to try and – because you had uh, – well – Elliot Ness, right, and Untouchables, and Correct. and trying to um, find out, bust up Al Capone's um, rum running and bootlegging operations, but to dissuade people from drinking, they would uh, the government would um, poison batches of whiskey, and people wow. died from it too. It wasn't even like oh they're just going to get sick. People died from it. That's crazy. Yeah, you saw. Four different presidents through this time: Wilson, uh, Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover. And then with the repeal, starting with FDR. And the repeal started with FDR. So I, I you know, what it would be interesting to sit down and talk with those three guys that are in between Wilson and and FDR, and just kind of see what their thoughts were, because they. And, and of course, I don't. I don't know. But as you're as you're president, you're sitting back and you're seeing this organized crime start happening, and to the point where you have like Elliot Ness and the Untouchables, and you have this. I guess they they felt a need that they needed to poison whiskey to scare people away from drinking. That 
like, why wouldn't you just go ahead and say, you know what, it's okay, go ahead and drink? Mm-hmm. I feel that's well, um, and then, well, Coolidge was very conservative, okay, uh, very uh, puritanical. Harding, before him, was one of the worst presidents in U.S. history. He had his friends. He appointed his friends to cabinet positions and members in the government. He was also he married for money. He had numerous mistresses. Coolidge spent the first year, year and a half of his camp of his uh, of his term cleaning up, trying to clean up what Harding did, and Hoover was busy with the Great Depression blamed was unjustly blamed he didn't react soon enough to the great depression but he didn't cause it and he i wrote down a really good quote um towards the end of his life one of his last uh he lived to 90 but um one of his last quotes was um i outlived the bitches in, 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 in regard to in, in regard to his detractors, put that on my tombstone. <laughs> I, that's pretty funny. I, 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 you you mentioned earlier, I guess at very at the very beginning, like presidents were more often not like just some weird guys, uh, some quirky guys, some 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 odd personalities. You almost, I would say, it's like to, to be willing to take over that much power. You're you're not a normal person. What are the motivations behind that person? And that, that's a good thing that we talked yeah. about earlier too, right? Like these guys that weren't really reluctant to that were really reluctant to take over, and guys that were chomping at the bit to take over, and the difference in there. I think just on a micro level, looking at it, I get bosses. I I work really well under these reluctant bosses. Because they allow you to work and they allow you to do your job. The guys that are power hungry are tough to work for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With I you think on so. That. Like on a on a on a country level, like a, that's kind of interesting, right? So we definitely had. Hey, Washington was the first one. I got didn't want to be president. No, 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 no way also, did he want to. They didn't know how to deal with Washington. They didn't know what to call him. The, what uh, what um, how to address uh, it because. Uh, America didn't want to go back to a monarchy, but do you address Washington as his highness? And no, he he, he yeah. didn't want to. You know how uh, Washington died? How? So they let out too much of his blood. He he, he was oh, sick. Shit. He was sick with um, epiglottis, um, bacterial epiglottis. Okay. Right? So sore throat, uh, his larynx. And back then, science was, medical science was, you've got too much ghosts in your blood so here's some cocaine and nice. they <laughs> I'm sick <clears throat> let they 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 let out some of his blood he got a little better so yeah. doctors were like oh shoot let's let out a little bit more of his blood and uh no he died he died <laughs> oh, wow. after 40% blood loss but That's i believe lot. he lived till 67 40% blood loss what is that like four or five pints that's ridiculous. Like at that point, you're like, "Hey, like I don't imagine this much blood being in someone." Yeah, uh, 1799, 67 years old. Wow, wow. Okay, so we go through this dark age in American drinking. We got organized crime started. We got bootlegging going. Uh, the alcohol industry turns into this complete underground scene, uh, which is part of the reason that we're sitting in the blind finch in this speakeasy theme bar today in order to record this episode. Just, just because one. It's fun. Uh, two, it's it, you know it kind of fits with the theme of what we're going here. And but it's then, swanky. in was it? I can't remember what year it was. Was it fifty three? 
FDR brings us out of the Dark Ages. Is that right? 35. 35. I've got them backwards. Say, yeah, I was a little yeah. lost on that one. Sorry. It with And it's not a full repeal. It's you can make alcohol up to 3.8%. Yes, I saw that. Right? So, yeah, you, you, you had this uh, near, beer. near beer. The whole country was uh, Oklahoma law for a while. Yeah. Oklahoma, why are you still doing that? Oklahoma. Actually, I think they recently I I changed it. I thought it got a little better. They're no longer on yeah. a four-tier system. Yeah. They yeah. had a four-tier system in Oklahoma? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, well, you know, I think there's a lot of really cool things that happen and a lot of things that shaped what beer is for us today. Um, my personal opinion is is the U.S. is leading the the forefront of craft beer innovation right now and pushing the boundaries. And there's a lot of things which is like, okay, is that really beer anymore? Which is what we're doing is we're pushing and we're pushing. And it's like we're putting out, you know, 15% stouts. I mean, it's all the way up to 65% um, out, out in the world now, uh, which is like, okay, well, is that really beer? Which is always the big question. But the, the fact is, is a lot of this pushing is coming from the U.S. And it was Sam Adams that did the triple box first, which was the highest ABV uh, at that time, which is what thirty years ago. Okay, um, and since then it has been continued to be pushed. Because I think triple box was like originally like eighteen, nineteen percent, which obviously takes some pretty big techniques to do it without distilling. Uh, and we actually talked to Vince uh, of Mandeville about, hey, how do you raise all of this uh, ABV without you know killing your yeast, without you know making something other than beer? And I think it's really really cool because a lot of that. Uh, is rooted in prohibition, right? And so it took a long time for it to to grow up, but we had basically a clean slate after prohibition on uh, what beer can be considered. When you talk about Germany, you have Reinheitsgebot, which is no longer an act of law, but it's still a guideline people follow. And so without us going, okay, you can only have yeast, water, malt, and hops, without us having that, it's kind of really grown in the last especially the last 20 years it's it just it's blown up and it's escalated to the point where i mean every year we're having how many breweries open up in houston alone uh, yeah. and it's really cool that we wipe the slate clean of what is beer you know it, it is it, it really is and i think it's one of the fun things about our country and i i, I liked what you said earlier steve about like the pulse of the country being terminated uh, d- excuse me determined by who's in charge you can kind of tell what's going on by the type of guy that they're voting into office and and we've seen our country go through these ebbs and flows of conservatism and liberalism and back and forth and through each of those times what would be a fun study too right is what beer is being produced and what innovations in brewing are going on during each presidential term so i have an idea i have a theory about like what we're going to be seeing coming into play as far as because the pendulum always swings back and forth as far as beer and what is in vogue okay i think we're going to see with rising costs for materials my brewery included i work for distill we are seeing an increase in what ball is charging for their cans what microstar is charging for their kegs logistics and what freight is being charged so prices across the board are going to increase and i think because also there's inflation currently, we're going to see a swing back to um, uh, 30 packs and, and, and people like going back to cheap beer. And this will push craft brewers into making 
a champagne velvet or well, a and, premium. Well, and, and if they if they do, if it swings back there, I'd be happy. Oh, it, I think it's in the beer community at least. A lot of these people have been drinking such heavy beers that it, there's already been a swing back to the lighter beers. But the big question with the the um, uptick in in cost and freight and uh, ingredients, are we going to go more towards the blonde? Uh, ales versus the pilsners and the light lagers because Corn you lagers. yeah when you when you yeah. got a tank tied up for six weeks yeah I mean that's six weeks of a tank tied up you can't put it out when you talk about a blonde ale uh, I mean you can crank it what six you, seven yeah, days you can keep going uh, and the way that they're brewing like a lot of these guys can get a lot of lager characteristics yeah. in these blonde ales and they they I mean some of them are almost indistinguishable. And especially when you start using Kavik, because then you're cutting even more time off it. Oh, see, I don't want to go down the Kavik road. Yeah, I'm let's not go a down fan. It. Well, it, I, I feel like we've barely hit the surface of what we can do with Kavik, because you talk about the threshold of fermentation being massive now. I mean, what, 109 degrees you can ferment, which is insane, but you can still take it and ferment at 40 and 50 degrees with the same yeast. There is a brewery that recently put out a... They called it a Berliner Weiss. And they used the Kvik yeast. They used Kvik for Berliner Weiss. It's not a real Berliner Weiss because you can ferment with Kvik at a certain temperature level and it can produce lactic acid. Oh, I did not know that. With a lot of... Yeah, yeah, it it improves your efficiency using that particular yeast. Okay. Is it a catch-all? No, I don't think so. I think it's situational. Um, Like anything, there's a balance. But with a little bit more experimentation, and if regular use of this yeast becomes more mainstream yeah. and, and improves the production rate of of, of uh, beers, like you were talking about Blondales, well, um, there's a, a strain of saff lager uh, yeast that can brew a lager up to 70 degrees. Now, I don't know wow. if it likes to be 70 degrees, but yeah, maybe messing with the strain to see like what you can get out of it like the, yeah. the lactic acid that's pretty cool like so all this experimentation right i think i want to bring it back to presidents a little bit but we had our, our uh america's favorite peanut peanut farmer jimmy carter nice. uh in the 70s right and he had a brother billy who was the eccentric brother and you had uh was it falls city brewing there in georgia where they're from uh, started producing Billy beer to capitalize on this, like, President's goofy brother, Billy, who loves to drink beer. But Billy wanted to homebrew. So what did the president allow us to do again after Prohibition? Homebrew. And that's pretty cool. So thank you, Billy Carter. But yeah. that was, I think, a lot of the guys that we have on started in homebrew. I started in homebrew uh, you know, over 15 years ago just because it was it was fun. I love to experiment. I love trying it out, right? When we talked to Vince Mandeville about being a 17-year-old, couldn't buy his own beer, so he's getting on his bicycle and riding the Falcos to brew his own beer. There's really, really cool stories there. Um, but that, to me, is really the impetus for our experimentation. You got a bunch of guys in their garages just trying shit out and having a good time, you know? And, and I think, you know, if, if we're if we're going to go back to that, a lot of this experimentation is Jimmy Carter opened the doors for us to be able to do that again out into the light. We can open our garage doors and brew instead of doing it with the garage doors closed. And yeah. I think that moves at that talks about where um, with that allowance of home brewing and having it more out in the open than how we got to that first big wave of craft breweries. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you there. So like, keep expanding on that. Oh, well, I mean, think about how we are in Houston 
right now. Mm-hmm. And the amount of guys that got into the business because them and their friends got a brew system, maybe it started out as a five-gallon system and they upgraded to maybe a Black Magic or whatever have you, and started to try their luck. Okay. Think about, I'm thinking, I'm going back to the like 1999. And what I think of as being the first big wave of craft beer. Okay. Because there were breweries, obviously, that existed before then. Yingling, 1829, still America's oldest craft brewery. I don't know. I wonder what parameters they are judging themselves. Because Boston Beer always includes themselves as being a craft brewery. Well, they had enough money to change the rules. That's Yes, that's a very good Yes. Is it? If you didn't say it. I was going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> you have enough money, you can fudge the rules. They literally, yeah. I think it was what, like uh, 75,000 barrels was like the cap. And then uh, they came in and said, hey, we kind of want this to be 200,000 barrels. And with enough money, sure enough, it became that. And I think they've actually pushed it beyond that now because they are well beyond uh, that threshold now that they have acquired Dogfish Head. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, shoot, yeah. That was a good deal for Sam from Dogfish Head. But you made the resources better available and you don't have to do it in secret and then you have more people that rise up that that want to take that think that they are making a good enough product to bring to a public market yeah that's pretty cool and i love the i love the spectrum of it and we've definitely like dove into the spectrum of it as we've been sitting here on the podcast right where we start started with a 11 percent bourbon barrel aged porter great start <laughs> it was a great start and now we're drinking champagne velvet who is this is a pre-prohibition beer. This is a super light, super clean, just easy drinking beer that we have here um, that was going to be produced, what did you say, 1902, Jake? 1902. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's old for sure. And, that's, and that is cool. You talked about the swing of maybe going back to those. We, we have that brewery in town. We did, a, we did one of our summer podcasts there, sat in the parking lot uh, with Shane and uh, in the hot New tub. Magnolia. In, yeah, New Magnolia, right. and talked about how they were just a homage brewery to Magnolia Brewing that was in Houston pre-Prohibition, had the uh, gold medal beer, uh, what they call it, uh, Grand Prize, yep. that was, uh, I think there's still a Grand Prize placard over at Thistle. Is there? Yeah, that has survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the front room. It. We have so much stuff I can't even keep Yeah, up it's pretty cool. There's, there's a lot of that pre, pre-Prohibition beer history, even just here within the city. That's pretty cool that you can go and explore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But speaking of pre-prohibition, yes, sir. Beer history. Okay. Um, I'd never really looked into ha- who who Hatchet Granny was. Oh um, yes, 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 yes. Because I'd forgotten. Go ahead. So I haven't done a deep dive on it, but <laughs> Hatchet Granny. I know. There's and there's so much to unpack from this one. I mean, there really is. Um, her assumed name or her famous name at the end was Carrie Nation. I think it was originally, um, oh boy, it was Carolina Amelia Nation. Wait, that wasn't it. Oh, Carolina Amelia Moore was her original name, right? And so a whole bunch of stuff happened. Her first husband died of alcoholism, which started a lot of where she went. Uh, her mother had uh, a lot of mental issues. Her second husband was a lawyer, and they actually lived in Brazoria County, Texas. Oh, did they really? In Richmond, Texas, yeah. Oh, Texas Which, leader. Yeah, and so it, it's it's kind of cool that we, we ended up back there. That is kind of cool. Um, but long story short, they had a hotel in Richmond. It failed, um, and then 
her husband being a lawyer needed to move to Kansas. So they moved to Kansas. Kansas, the Mecca for lawyers. The, I guess. <laughs> um, long story short, she, she hated alcohol. I guess one day she gathered a bunch of people and threw rocks at a bar in Kansas and destroyed a bunch of their barrels. Uh, she did this to two saloons in Kansas, Kiowa, Kansas, and a tornado hit eastern Kansas. So her mind was, God is side. agreeing with me. Like, yes. I'm not being punished. They're being punished. So yeah. I'm obviously right. And she went ham with it. Um, she was arrested over 32 times. Wow. Um, there was over 30 what she considered hatchetations. But she would go in with a hatchet and start destroying the barrels and the bars. Yeah, I know. She claimed it herself. That hatchetations. Is, okay. And so it really escalated. She made and, her own brand. Yeah, she did. And she, I mean, she went wild. She became popular and famous over this. And you talk about being at that cusp of right before Prohibition. Yeah. She actually got quite a bit of traction and, and involved a lot of uh, the Christian groups into it. The temperance and, movement. Yeah. Yes. And this this woman would chase around other women with a hatchet who weren't dressed to her standard. You know, like, I can see your ankles. She's like, I'm going to attack this woman with a hatchet, which is crazy. That is, okay, so, but that's, that is completely and totally American. Like yes. I love it. Like we we are we are a country of a little bit of everybody. But good gosh, uh, we have had some of our story just been outlined by zealots that that come in and just go crazy over one cause or another, and people attach to it. And like we're gonna take Hatchet Granny here. Um, we're still telling her story. How many years later? And like she helped with prohibition. She helped with the temperance movement. That. Because that temperance movement, this was a little bit a zealot movement. I'm going to say that out loud. Is that yep. fair? Am I yep. wrong? I could agree with you. I just know that. I, I yeah, I know that the uh, Volstead Act was um, named after a, a person who made it their passion yeah. to try and also um, stand on the platform of, of uh, no alcohol. Yeah. I mean, hats off to her for finding something she's passionate about and going after it. She had a statue erected of her Did she in really? Wichita, uh, Kansas. And I'm trying to see if it's still around, but I think it is. It was a bronze statue. I'll show y'all a picture, but I mean, obviously the podcast can't see it. Yeah. But she looks like a rough and tush, tough woman. She's got a hatchet. She's got the Bible in her other hand. I mean, it's like, that's a pretty aggressive um, statue, man. That's pretty cool. If it's still around, we should road trip there. I think there's a possibility it got removed. But we I should go drink a beer with her. <laughs> Pour one out for her. Pour one out, Pour one for, out for, her. for my homies. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Miss Hatchet. We don't mean to be disrespectful, but I like the story. Real. I absolutely like the story. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool, and I'm sure hers is one of many that during that time are fighting for this prohibition because they think. I mean, look at look at her life. I think if you look at it objectively it came from a really good place because she's got a lot of trauma in her life associated with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, and so she's feels like she needs to help others avoid the trauma that she's been through by eliminating alcohol. Um, but we're Americans. We'd like to do what we want to do. Oh, yeah. um, and so yeah. we get to make our own choices and we, we live or die by those choices, but we get to make our own choices. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Choices. Choices. Choices and shit. So speaking of choices, we got the Champagne Velvet. Let's go ahead and get into it and maybe rate this Champagne Velvet as a 
This is a lager, correct? This is a pre-prohibition lager. It's, pre-prohibition it's technically lager. in the Pilsner category. So what makes it pre-prohibition? The recipe was literally pre-prohibition, uh, okay. but it was also uh, akin to the the popular style at the time, which is what the pre-prohibition lager pretty much is. Um, I think the majority of them are, are based off of or similar to the Pilsner. So you're going to use the Pilsner malt, which was a, a, a huge kind of, I hate to say eureka moment, but it was a really big eureka moment in beer history. And so beforehand, they were roasting malts. Um, very inefficiently they were burning a lot of the sugars out and then uh, you have the pilsner malt which the reason it changed everything is they had these light roasted malts with a clean flavor but it had a higher sugar content right and that was the biggest thing is they weren't killing all these sugars out of it and they were able to uh, work a little bit more efficiently with the beer itself and yeah. so the pilsner malt was a massive kind of uh, a change in what beer could be and that's when you start blending um, you know your your traditional porter malt with a pilsner malt because now you can pull up that horribly inefficient uh, sugar content mm-hmm. or grain bill and and bring up that little bit of extra by adding in pilsner malt and you'll see with especially now a lot of our beers like Christmas Ale by St. Arnold it's not one single malt I mean it's a right. plethora of blends of malts because you can pull different characters of each one but the pilsner malt is one of the coolest ones because there's not that much flavor to it there's not a huge flavor to it but you have a really clean sugar content to help the yeast survive and and create so rate it I, I I this is one of those beers I don't want to rate I've drank more of this than uh, that's what we're here for Jake I've probably drank as almost as much little snack as I have champagne velvet. <laughs> champagne velvet. Like I've drank a, sh- a lot of champagne velvet, but overall, super super clean. Um, it's crisp. It's it's got such a familiar flavor profile to mm-hmm. it. Um, it's got a little bit of sweetness on the end. The bitterness is just perfectly balanced, where the sweetness doesn't overtake, the bitterness doesn't take. Super clean body. Um, one of the problems with some light beers like Montucky cold snacks. It's great ice cold. Champagne velvet is just good, period. It doesn't matter if it's cold or if it's room temperature. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so beer. nice. You're going to get a little bit more sweetness when it's warm, yeah. but it still doesn't overtake it at all. Um, I'm just going to give it a 4.0 because I literally could nice. drink one nice. any time yeah. of the day. You're, you're, you're agreeing with him over there. People can't see you on the podcast, but but Steve Von Grimm, the presidential whiz kid, is over here uh, <laughs> agreeing with him. Kid. So... Tell, tell me your thoughts and put that rating down. I am biased towards the style of beer. It's, okay. It's, it's a four. Biases are accepted here. I can, it's a four? I guess. I can drink this style of beer. I can drink this beer all day. So I'm going to go 3-9 repeating just to be an asshole. Okay? You are an asshole. Yeah, thank you, sir. I'm a nice asshole, though. Nice looking asshole. Like a bleached asshole or just well <laughs> no, manicured? No, no, no. Well, it's, a, it's a matter of No blowouts? It is a matter of perspective. Yeah, no blowouts. No, no, no. Just, just you know, nice, clean, well manicured. Um, well, now that we're talking about Tim's butthole, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it is an amazing beer. I think this is yeah. one that you could sit and you could drink from sun up to sundown. This is a barbecue beer. This is a hangout with a family beer. This is a, you know, Easter morning crawfish bowl beer. This is. It, it fits all occasions. I, I think it's it's really really nice. You could tell why this is popular. Why it's had a million dollar insurance policy on it. Why it survived through prohibition to 2022. Uh, well, I mean, oh, it didn't. You survive. said 1902. A what, 120 years later? 
yeah. we're drinking this beer. Uh, it's pretty fucking cool. Phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's going to conclude the presidential prohibition portion of it. But we're going to come back here in just a moment, and we're going to have our own Hot Tub Beers Beer Summit. No. So welcome, welcome to the last segment of the uh, premature release presidential President's Day episode here on uh, Hot Tub Beers, where we are now hosting our own Hot Tub Beer Summit, a la President Obama. So Obama, Thanks, Obama. During, thank you, thank you, Obama. <laughs> so during during his presidency, there was a Harvard professor, uh, Henry Gates Jr. Okay, um, black guy, Harvard professor. They, there was a call about a disturbance or breaking and entering or something to where there were police called out to his residency. I'm not clear on whether he made the call or not. And yep. then another officer, Somebody. or not another officer, James Crowley was the officer. He showed up and ended up arresting Mr. Gates at his own residency. Right. And so this became a big deal. And so Obama, in order to kind of quell some of the tensions that were created by this, said, hey, let's sit down him and Joe and uh, Mr. Gates and Mr. Crowley all sat down to have a beer together and kind of overcome some of the tension or the animosity that was in the air of that. So they chose, I want to say Obama chose a Bud Light. Crowley chose Blue Moon, and Mr. Gates chose Red Stripe, Jamaican Lager. Which is so crazy. That's it a weird assortment. Jamaican me crazy, Jake. Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> so it was, that was one of the, okay, so this is one thing that I read, was that this was one of the things that people, like, criticized Obama the most for, which I thought was weird as shit, because I'm not a super huge Obama fan, but this was one of the times where it's like, all right, if this guy wants to sit down and have a beer with me to cross the aisle, okay, that's fucking cool. I'm down with that. Like, that made him human to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people criticized that were, that was weird. Well, and what's crazy, I was just mentioning this to uh, uh, Steve here on break, but it's like the last, what, four or five presidents, uh, excluding Obama, uh, all have sexual assault allegations like across the board for majority of them in fake or not it doesn't really matter obama's the only one without any allegations so their big blow up on him was what beer is he drinking and it's like that's crazy it's kind of a cool place to be it's like that's what we have to bitch about that's freaking cool but yeah it's still a weird thing to like dive down i mean he's he's dealing a, a highly uh like there's a lot of racial tension going on right now. Right. There's a lot involving the police force, and there's all this stuff, and it's a big deal. I mean, this guy, his door was jammed, so he used a screwdriver to help pop open his door when somebody saw oh, that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And called the cops on him getting into his own house. He was coming back from a Yo-Yo Ma ancestry research tour, right? Which is <laughs> what so a nerd. Yeah, okay, I know. sorry, it's, it's, it's wild. Sorry, but Mr. He, Gates. He's only getting into his own house, and he gets yeah. arrested in the works. And huge racial tensions, police officer, the government, everything involved. Yeah. And we're concerned about the fucking beer. Well, I, t- I tell you what, the, the, the take of that, like even, I guess, I guess learning that little bit about it a little bit more, um, the fact that the president was going to step out and just say, Look, listen, let's sit down and have a beer. Badass. How, about, how, many, how, many, like, how many problems could we solve if we just go like, you know what, chill out, dude. Let's sit down and let's have a beer. I'm going to tell you what I was thinking, and I want to hear what you were thinking, and let's just figure this shit out. What, what presidents would you have a beer with? 
Oh, good question. Obama. If you want to do like, it doesn't have to be a top. What? <laughs> Obama. I would. I would. Like you the guy. Have the guy you would have a beer with Obama. I thought Obama. you were trying to com- combine Alabama and Obama. 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 Yeah, you never been to Alabama during Obama's presidency. Obama. That is a that is Barack. a really good question. Um, I part of me wants to say Taft just because I heard he was just huge monster of a man, three hundred thirty two pounds. He did Jeez. not get stuck in his tub. He, he did a, not. That's a had, myth. He had this. He had a tub the size of a hot tub uh-huh. tie in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the second floor of the White House, but he did not get stuck in his tub. That's interesting. Like I, because I, I, I just imagine him as being like this huge, yeah. jovial uncle yeah. that wants to hang out with you, and drink a beer, the size of Baron Harkonnen. Just yeah, let's have a let's have a sixer. <laughs> yeah. like, uncle was, Taft, you mean one beer? No, let's have a sixer. The, that's so the John Candy of presidents. Yeah, yeah, right. I like that. Yeah, and that's that. That's the first one that comes to mind. I guess if if I want to go, let's do one past one recent because I think that it's like I, that would be my still my alive. that would my past. But the I think the recent I would I would want to sit down. This is going to be I'm going to cop out here. I want to sit down with Trump and Biden in the same room and just drink a beer. Oh, I couldn't and watch your hors d'oeuvres would be uh, Big Macs. <laughs> yeah, not slices of them. Yeah, whole Big Big Macs. Trump says he doesn't drink, so that might fall a little flat. He is. Yeah, he is a teetotaler. So I will yeah. say this: I, I would have a whole list, right? I'd like to. I'd like to at least like if. If you could do it like prime or just after prime, uh-huh. Zachary Taylor, uh, he died early from cholera, but I actually have uh, oh. family genes that run back to him, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, Carter, I want to like after the presidency, before he's done all his humanitarian epi- efforts, like I really, I, w- I want to know that, that transition be between after and where he is now. I mean, obviously he wouldn't know where yeah. he is, but I'd like, I'd really love to have that. Steve, like, great beer. question for the summit. I like it. And then Obama, because that motherfucker, I mean, he's out there, like, already doing that with people. I'm like, all right, I want to know, like, is this guy really good at having beers with people? That would be cool. Who, LBJ would be fun, just to sit down with a Texan and just hear where his, like, <laughs> yeah, just sit down with a Texan who's been in the office. The guy was right? an asshole. He I mean, was, what well, he was an senior? asshole, but, I mean, what Texan do you know that hasn't been an asshole at some point? Like, we are who we are. Like, if somebody comes and tries to tell you that you're not what you are, you just look him square in the eye and go, fuck you, this is me. Bush Senior would be a good pick because he was him. He was a uh, one time head of the CIA. Mm. Prescott Bush was one time head of the CIA. Uh, that's a political family that's got deep ties in the government. Oh, real? That's cool. I would go. Oh, sorry. If we're going past and then present, yeah, yeah, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Um, and then present, huh? Teddy hmm. Roosevelt. You could go have a beer in a national park with him. National park that he created. That would be cool. So are we we talking presidents that are still alive? Previous presidents are still alive. Yeah, let's go there. Each, yeah. Clinton's got his hands dirty. You know what? Oh. I, I've been thinking about that. Like if it was there's, honest there's, beer. There's there's no cameras, no recordings. There's the um, the whole conspiracy about the fifty three some odd people that have crossed the Clinton Foundation. I'm saying allegedly, so because I, I don't want to disappear, but like pe- fifty three <laughs> individuals that have crossed the Clinton uh, uh, the Clinton campaign, the uh, Clinton Foundation, and then m- perished or disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Wow. Yeah, there's there's some stories there. I just have a had a re- revelation while while Steve is saying this. Okay, uh, one way to guarantee our listenership goes up. Okay, we just have to it keep saying flagged. We have to keep saying FBI, CIA, and Bill Clinton, and allegedly, and allegedly. 
Oh shoot! Well, no, you I don't mean, want allegedly. You gentlemen want to like we can. I can spill out any sort of like. <laughs> I'm not. Don't drop <laughs> any t words on me. Yeah. Operations that 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 came out during the uh, between the OSS uh, disillusion and into the CIA. I mean, we want to talk JFK assassination. This oh is, this my is, goodness! Whoa. This is yeah. This that is one a is bad, a, yeah. But if you if you guys want to like improve your listenership. Even if it is NSA agents, yeah. Just, just let me let me run off on Instagram's minute get clips. <laughs> no, I think I think we'll hold off. I'm uh, gonna go. I'm gonna look at it tomorrow, and there's gonna be like by the end of the day, spike. like just a million listens. Like son of a bitch, the NSA is onto us. Well, I'm pretty sure they would have like ghost listens or shadow listens. You know I, what I mean? I, I cannot tell you how flattered I would be if the NSA would pick up hot tub beers. Be even funnier if like they had a, like had to investigate us and fell in love and decided like these dumb motherfuckers are onto something. <laughs> I feel I feel like I feel like that would be the story, right? You know, yeah. oh, we got to listen to these guys. They're national security risk. Oh my god, I love them. Yeah, let's drink beer with them. Let's drink beer with them. <laughs> but on that note, I, I did forget one one cool one would be FDR post presidency about what he he what he did and how much shit he was trying to clean up when he moved in and like all of that stuff. I mean, that was a, a big turning point. Yeah. FDR seen as one of the great heroes of the nation. Um, I mean, he got in and started doing work like day of, you know, yeah. FDR, my grandparents in Alamucci, New Jersey lived next to his mistress for most oh. of their life. And I never, up until like two years ago, I just, I just knew that's crazy. That's badass. You know, another another episode, like you could fill up an episode with presidential mistresses. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag NSA. Allegedly. <laughs> I think that's crazy, too, because obviously when you say those words, Monica Lewinsky comes up almost first because it was within the, what, last 30 Correct. years? And, like, it was as very well known. But when you talk about, like, the the level of like mistresses out there with presidents. I feel like Monica Lewinsky is actually pretty low. She was just very popular, but very low. Yeah. I mean, she, I think that therein comes the, the rise in, uh, media coverage, mm-hmm. you know, and like, so, all right. So all these things that have been going on in the dark that you can get away with for forever. Now everybody's starting to find out. And now with, uh, social media and, and everything else, like we, we're all, I mean, we're living in our 15 minutes of fame right now. The presidential role got to be less and less of a private position. Mm-hmm. You know, you had you were able to have some secrecy. I think I said before where the reason why we know so much about the modern presidents is because of our evolution of, of media. But um, the case uh, for an example, um, the JFK and Nixon televised debate. You know, before then, like this was like the first major. Um, televised debate. Bef- yeah. Before this, it was just audio. Yeah. People that were listening to the radio to that debate believe that Nixon won, but people who watched it um, fell in love with Kennedy yeah. because Kennedy presented better. Nixon had a five o'clock shadow and he was on cold medicine and he was sweating because he didn't want to wear any makeup on stage. Um, so it's it's that that perspective that just that that switch and that that change in perspective and Monica Lewinsky you know that was all over at that point though after that point look what after, um, presidents have done and 
raise that bar as far as national scandal mm-hmm. and then just get off scot-free. This is crazy. It is. Like, it I is, don't even want to say it, but like insurrection, like how is that even a question? That's an attack on democracy no matter whose side you're on. How is that even like some people are like, Meh. Oh no, we we needed to do it. No, no, no. absolutely foreign and domestic, right? Like that's crazy, man. It's it's it, it's a weird deal. Like the 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 country is so polarized right now, and it's weird. I guess in my voting lifetime, you know, I'm 42, and so in my voting lifetime, I've gone from voting for somebody and then I got to one election and I want to say it was around the Obama Mitt Romney era to where I was like I'm not voting for anybody anymore I'm Mm -hmm. voting against someone else and I didn't like it and so I haven't voted in years because of that because I want to vote for somebody not against somebody else you know what that's where I am now because we got elections going on right now for a lot of local stuff and I'm literally going to go in there and vote against well I got I got two criteria how dumb is your fucking politics and did you text me I've got a text from like every fucking position so I'm gonna go <laughs> down really? the list yeah I'm gonna make a list of all the texts that I get and anybody that I got a, a, a political text from I'm gonna go vote against them because my phone is for fucking me my personal and my business leave you me out of it cause I don't oh. like so other people have complained about getting that I don't get texts from from uh campaigns but i get texts for people trying to buy my house oh yeah i get i get texts for people trying to buy my dad's houses and i'm like not my house quit texting me our information is too public yeah it is information is is bought and sold but also don't text me saying your whole campaign is you help trump fund the wall and you're the only one that funded uh all the way as much as you could or whatever. I'm like, I don't really care. Mexico was supposed to play, pay for that under your pretenses, and that wall's not doing anything. So thank you for giving money to a lost cause, I guess, but don't fucking text me about it. You know, Do you, <laughs> but leave me fucking out of it. I think, I, I think that's where politics has is, is gotten kind of out of hand in this sense. Well, I say got it out of hand. You look back historically and we look at this, people are slinging mud. Mm-hmm. Way before our like what 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 politicians are doing now isn 't something new that they 've invented, and the conversations that we 're having now on this podcast aren 't anything new right they it 's just we 're doing it in a different in a different manner now. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like it was really bad back then and the in, in early on like they 're slinging mud, slander, and libel is huge. Jefferson said in separate news articles that he was a hermaphrodite. go big or go home that he was for the monarchy that he was for a war with France and that just blatantly John Adams is dead he just called them dead. <laughs> he just called John Adams yeah, he's, dead. He's, yeah, he's dead. He's, he's dead. This he's no dead one. hermaphrodite wants war with France. Don't vote for him. And then Jefferson took the presidency away from Adams. What a campaign. Well, and you know what? We still we still have that all the time. It's whether we like roll it over our shoulders yeah. or not. Because like with the Biden thing, right? Um, they, they said uh, he is a pedophile and he has dementia. And uh, um, and he surrounds himself with uh, drug addicts, right? And it's just like, okay, he has somebody in his family suffering from addiction. Like that's a serious issue. Yeah. And they, the whole family is pulling together to do it, right? 
that one at least there's some stuff to it. But to just like he has dementia and he's a pedophile, I'm like those are fucking gross claims. Well, okay, like, those are so big claims. To go back to what you're saying, like so there's there's these weird claims, right? It's it's like people are taking a kernel of truth and making a whole bucket of popcorn out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it, that's what's weird. What I like about the Jefferson thing is. Where's the kernel of truth in the fact that Adams was oh. a hermaphrodite? Well, um, <laughs> when LBJ was was running for president, he would he had a quote. Um, he let let the defendant spend the energy trying to deny the claim that someone makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, LBJ would would make a claim against his opponent and say, "Hey, you, you your job to defend it. It's it's up to you." Yeah, yeah. He wrong. didn't have to prove it. He just yeah. They had to defend it. Yeah. That's wild. That is wild. Oh, politics, that is wild. man. I, I kind of hate them, and I kind of love them. Like, it's fun to watch some it's, stuff, but I, it's just a shit show. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's turned into a reality TV at this point. And conspiracy it's, it's, theories it's, it's, are it's huge a little, It's a little bit crazy. I, and I think, I, I, don't, I don't know that, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to get into my politics too much. I just don't think you that. You don't have to. It's, uh, I'm just here to make fun of everybody. Well, that, that, I, And I think that is the best take and I think that's that's probably the most apt description of my politics is like everybody's fodder everybody should be fodder everybody should be in in you know if you're going to step into that position no we're, one's untouchable we, uh, no one's untouchable we we should all be able to make fun of everybody and the only thing that disappoints me about this is like I think and we've talked about this on the show before being able to sit down and have civil discourse is almost just being gone Yep. Right. So like we can't sit down with each other and disagree with each other without getting into an argument or you calling me stupid, me calling you retarded or whatever it is. Oops, said the R word. Sorry. Retraction. Um, there's another R word. Um, the uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I want to sit down like me and Jake don't agree on, on anything really much at all except the direction of the podcast. But the, yes. Everything else we do not agree. But what's fun is, is I can sit down and talk with Jake. And I know Jake's not going to call me stupid, and I'm not going to call Jake stupid. And it's fun to hear different opposing points of view, and I like that. I like that. I like that's that's part of these disagreements as part of politics that I enjoy because it challenges you as a person, right? I got to think outside the box. I got to see things from your point of view, and I want you to see things from my point of view. Maybe it changes you. Maybe it changes me. But that's that's the point of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Am I oh, absolutely, yeah. it does. Also, on that point, uh, when when people get mad at each other, like one of my favorite like things to yell at people is "you dirty old bitch." And I just want to say, <laughs> if I call you a dirty old bitch, it's a term of endearment for me. I term only, of I only call that to like my friends. Like you do something good, you're a dirty old fucking bitch. Oh, just saying, it's just it's so bitch. powerful feeling. So okay, but, so and we we've we've drifted a little bit, which which yeah. I don't mind because I've really enjoyed the conversation. But we we have some beers for our beer summit. So the the main criticisms there were that of of the original beer summit with Obama that you know Budweiser is owned by InBev, which is a Belgian company. You had Blue Moon, which is owned by Miller Coors, which is a bunch of sellouts who tried to kill sell us back in the day. Um, and then you had uh, yeah I. We'll we need to mention that. that as well. Um, I don't, whenever we do that, sometimes I think like people listening to us are like, "What the fuck? what the fuck are they talking about?" So he, he we'll said, tell you later, guys. No, we'll t- say now. He said, okay, "Salas, we're literally sitting underneath a, a Pierre Salas's chandelier from his house in Belgium." Yeah, which is cool. super freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. If you want to drink a, you want to drink a cocktail, yeah, in Pierre Salas's faux home. 
it's like somewhere between like a hundred to fifty years old. I mean, it's Correct. like the old ancestral Cellus home chandelier. It's crazy. So the last beer was Red Stripe, a Jamaican lager, right? Mm-hmm. And so the big criticism where there was these three Americans sat down to drink beer that wasn't American. So we went a little bit different. Oh, oh, come on. Preach to me, Steve. Aren't we, as a nation, a mixture, a melange of people? Oh, yes. And what would you define as being American? That's good. Well, that's crazy. We're a nation. Shifting. We're a nation of immigrants with a history of xenophobia. Like they, it's 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 weird because we're none of us are. I don't know. We're going to go down this other rabbit hole, which I like going down, but I'm, I'm, I'm scared because this can get too long. But yeah, you're right. What is an American? I, it, go ahead. People bringing what they are comfortable with, what they're familiar with, to a location. Or if we're going back to this this yeah. this beer summit, right? Who cares? What would they rather have been drinking? You know? The well, fact I'll, that they were sitting down and drinking beer to solve a problem, is that's yes, everything to me. That's the, the beer is the unifying Absolutely. factor. The, 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 what, what type it is is, is is a variable that's inconsequential. So tell me what you have in your hand. I have a Lone Star. It is a nice. rebranded PBR. <laughs> and, and how has and it? It's great. How has it uh, lubricated your beer summit conversation? Has it, is it going well? Yeah, it's great. It's, Civil discourse. It's it's inoffensive. <laughs> it's inoffensive. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's a Lone Star. It is. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of Lone Star, though. It is what it is. It's not great. It's not bad. It's Lone Star. It's us. It's, it's not our, pretentious. It doesn't claim to be anything more than what it is. Yeah, the uh, uh, National Beer of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it says it on the can, so it's it got to be right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but still those cowards wouldn't sponsor us, so. Cowards. I don't know, but I can't keep drinking them. It's like, I don't know why. But I will, I will say this on this note. As, as much as they threw a fit that, like, hey, uh, Bud Light is not an American company. Well, maybe yes, maybe no, but, like, the end of it is how many jobs and where that beer was produced. I mean, like, yes, yeah. originally that the, the ownership is not American at all, but we have breweries everywhere, and there's Americans making this shit. Okay. I, I would say that it is an American company because they got to a certain point, they made their money in a capitalist society mm-hmm. to then get to a certain size to, to cash out mm-hmm. and make even more money. Yeah. That's an that's American that's, as fuck. That's American. You yeah. you made you made your own business. You survived prohibition. You mm-hmm. you emerged, and you got to a certain point where you're like, yeah, okay, you sell your goods. Yeah. So Jake, American you went a different fuck. route there, though. I did. I yeah. figured if we we're talking beer summit and the the fit of throwing that, oh, this European company, this Jamaican company, yada yada yada. So I picked a Frukolsch, which is German as fuck, uh, and that's the best way to put it. Um, it says German it was, AF for all the kids listening at home. Oh, AF. Sorry. Yeah. It says 1904. It's it's uh it's the re- it's from 1904, right? Is the recipe I think for the Kolsch. Okay. Um, it's just classic. It's fantastic. It's got a lot more body than uh your typical pre-prohibition lager or pilsner. Okay. Um, it's. I hate to say wheat. I don't think there's any wheat in this at all, but it definitely has a very bready, almost weedy kind of uh, flavor body to it. Mm. And I drink a lot of fruit kolsch. It's just, it's a standard classic example of what a kolsch is. 
uh, you have one or two and you think, man, uh, this got a lot more flavor. I'm going to wear my palate out and be done by six. Yeah. I promise you after three, you're ready for four. And after four, you're ready for eight and nine. And I mean, I, this is an all day beer. And like we yeah. sell the, the little mini kegs of it. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend Frukolsch. Yeah. Hitler would be pissed that you're drinking it. No, he wouldn't. It's German. He's, he's a liberal man drinking a German beer. Who says I'm liberal? I'm a centrist. Oh, a centrist. Okay, centrist. What is a centrist? I want to sit in the middle and make fun of everybody. Ah, center, centrist. Like, let's have forward movement, and that's the biggest thing. Let's have forward Agreed. movement. We can, we can all, there's, there's never going to be a right, and there's never going to be a wrong, because everything is right, and everything yeah. is wrong. Everything's gray. There's no black. There's no white. It's just straightforward, and at the end of it, it's like, what is going to be the biggest progress for the, the larger portion of our country? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, well, actually, it means opposite. But it's like, it's not more Bible. It's like, no, more taking care of your people, like more health care or more whatever. And it doesn't have to be free or universal. But the way we're going, it's like the insurance companies should not have a hand in uh, our, well, we, we have to pay at a hospital. I mean, $60 for a single Advil in a hospital, that's absolutely despicable in every fucking sense of it. What if that Advil cures cancer? Then give me a $60 Advil all day, but it's not. <laughs> this is like, this I'm is ibuprofen using... Advil brand. I mean, like. So I went, I went kind of a play on the blue moon there, and, and I went the, uh, the live oak Hefeweizen. Not so even the same. The, the Texas, <laughs> well, well, blue moon was a Hefeweizen. Mm-mm. It was not? Blue Moon uh, was Miller Coors' interpretation of uh, Cellus White because they they uh, partnered ah. with Cellus White. Ah. I'm sorry, with Cellus, uh, and then they actually shut down Cellus. We talked about right, this in right, 2001. Right, right. I didn't realize this was the storyline though. And Blue Moon is based off of the wit, and the flavors changed over the last you know 20 years. Yeah, but that's where it originally comes from is the Cellus White style. So it's more of a Belgian wit style. Son of a bitch. So yes, you're wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> That's okay. I'll take my I'll take my wrong and I'll still drink the live oak Hefeweizen. Which kind is of fantastic. A, a Texas wheat ale. Yeah, it is. It's it is a fantastic. It's it's got those flavors that you want from a wheat ale. It's got the clove. It's got the bubble gum. It, it's 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 got those uh, the banana in there. I, I really enjoy it. It's a, mm. this is one of those when when I go back to my entry into craft beer, Hefeweizens were the ones that had those crazy flavors that you hadn't tasted before. That kind of drew you in and wanted to try more. Yeah. Try different stuff, right? So, Steve, I want to say thank you for showing up, for putting up with our bullshit, uh, sitting through all these fun conversations, and the contributions that you've had uh, in regards to the presidency and in regards to just you being Steve Von Grimm and sitting on the fucking podcast. We appreciate it. We thank really do. Thank you, gentlemen. And NSA, if you're listening, I'm uh, open for a sponsorship, uh, sponsorship deal. Oh. CIA, FBI, how many other acronyms we can fit in here? Can we get sponsored by the NSA? I don't know how that's possible. Steve um, can. Steve's fucking smart as shit. Steve? Probably like at least free phone taps. Free, free phones? Phone. <laughs> yeah, they're going to tap your phone. Like you're going to get like really good microphones, but you're not going to know it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. We just upgraded, but we don't know it. <laughs> if you want, if you want uh, hot tub beers in high definition, go work for the NSA. DEA ATF. I had to throw in a few more acronyms. Okay. These, these are all, the all in the interest of getting flagged, correct? This is all in the interest of getting more listeners. Ah, okay. So if you're DEA ATF, um, I guess technically TABC, fuck you, ABC, um, FBI, CIA, NSA, 
We'll, we'll take your listens. So anybody, Maybe not for the right reason, but we'll take them. Anybody working for any of those organizations uh, of the acronyms that Jake just listed, uh, thank you for listening to Hot Tub Beers. Uh, and those of our regular listeners, uh, thank you for listening to Hot Tub Beers. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you're sharing it with everybody, your friends, your family, your grandma, your uncle, your cats, your dogs, uh, everybody that would enjoy listening to Hot Tub Beers. Uh, go to our Instagram. Make sure you're following us on the Instagram for all the pictures that are going to be uh, uploaded. Uh, you will see some Steve Frog of photography uh, on the this episode that will be going out with it. Um, also on that Instagram is a link to a link in our bio that goes to Hot Tub Beers podcast on any podcatcher that you would happen to listen to, as well as a link to support us financially to make sure that the hot tub is still warm. So if you want to support us for as little as ninety nine cents a month, for as much as thirty six dollars, you can do that at your own peril or <laughs> benefit. Benefit. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. I don't know. Yeah. You know, say. You got some deep pockets. Hook it up. <laughs> Again, guys, thank you for listening. And until next time, enjoy your hot tub beers. Goodbye. Nice. Hot tub beers. Slip on in. Top beers, ambers, ales, and lagers. Take one down, pass it around. We're tasting micro brews from Texas towns. Stouts, pilsners, boxing weeks. Having hot tub beers, just my friends and me.